Today's episode is brought to you by Naked Nutrition. Naked Nutrition provides you with pure protein powders and supplements to help you meet your nutrition and fitness goals. Naked Nutrition is completely transparent about their ingredients. That is the way you know exactly what you're getting into your body. No additives means that your body gets more of what it needs. And I suggest checking out um, the website. Um, Right now, to my listeners, we are offering 10% off for your first purchase at NakedNutrition.com by using the code POD. That's 10% off using the code POD for my first-time customers. Take your nutrition to the next level with Naked Nutrition. What's good, everybody? Man, welcome to another episode of the Back Row Redskins Show. Man, victory, victory, victory. The Washington football team defeat the Dallas Cowboys 41-16. to Man, I know you guys are getting this episode late, but guess what, man? I've been living on this win for the past few days. Um, it was exciting. My Thanksgiving was great. I hope you guys' Thanksgiving was great as well, man. I got to eat good. I got to watch the game. I got to relax. And I got to talk about these Dallas Cowboy fans. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome win. So, you know, man, the first quarter, uh, we started off with the first possession, three plays in, and we pumped the ball. You know, at this point, I'm thinking, uh-oh, here we go again, right? Then Dallas' next possession, they kick a field goal. They're up 3-0. Uh, to zero. Then we score a touchdown in the first quarter. You guys know how much I love touchdowns in the first quarter. Antonio Gibson, five-yard score. I was excited. I was pumped. It's now 7-3. Then Dallas scores a touchdown. You know, a deep 54-yard pass to um, Amari Cooper. And I think on that play, Darby, I guess Darby tried to make a play for the ball, but then he lost track of where um, Cooper was, and you know, that was a blow. That was a blow. I'm not gonna lie, I was pissed, but you know what? It is what it is. And then I was thinking, man, here we go again, right? But then we were able to score a field goal in the second quarter to begin that second quarter, made the game 10 10. So I'm like, okay, all right, you know, we should have had a touchdown, but okay, field goal, I'll take it. And then Dallas turnover and down, so that crazy punt, whatever. I don't know what they were trying to do, to be honest. Dallas was just silly. On their 25, they start on their 25, and then, you know, you try to do a trick play. I mean, I don't get it. Maybe Dallas is not trying to win games. But anyways, the next possession, we go down. We, we uh, score Logan Thomas um, with a five-yard uh, reception from Alex Smith. We go up 17-10. to 10. Then Dallas comes back with a field goal, and that ends the half, 17-3. So we're going into the lead with a half, and I'm excited about that. Um, then the third quarter comes, Dallas fumbles the ball. <laughs> I don't know what Ezekiel Elliott was doing, but he fumbles the ball. We get it back. I'm pumped. We kick a field goal. We should have had a touchdown, but we kick a field goal. Hey, we're up 20 to 13. Dallas punts the ball in the next possession. On the next possession, Alex Smith throws an interception. It's terrible. But anyways, it is what it is. Then a field goal by Dallas, and now the score is 20 to 16. We punt the ball in the next possession. Dallas turnover on downs once again. Um, we get the ball in the fourth quarter. 
and we score a touchdown, 23-yard touchdown by Antonio Gibson. At this point, this is his second touchdown of the day. We're up 27-16. Things are getting good. Uh, Dallas puts the ball on the next possession, and then we get the ball, and then Antonio Gibson, another touchdown for 37 yards, and that's his third touchdown. I'm going crazy. I'm pumped. I'm like, this is nuts. I mean, I can't believe what I'm seeing at this point. The next possession for Dallas, they throw an interception. Um, It was the most impressive play by a Washington defender that I've seen all season. Montez Sweat is so athletic. All this guy did was jump up, and the ball was in his hands. He caught it, then he ran it in for the score. We go up 41-16, and then, you know, Dallas tries to make a last-minute comeback with you know, one minute left or something like that, and then uh, or a couple minutes left, turnover and downs, Washington gets the ball, and we just, you know, kill the clock. Victory formation, the best formation, and that's how we won this game, uh, 41-16. But let's do a deeper dive at what went right, what went wrong. We'll go position by position. Alex Smith had a good game. But it wasn't a great game. Stats wasn't there. You know, he threw the ball 26 times, completed 19 of them, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. The interception was very bad. I'll say that's the that's the negative. I'm not down on the amount of yards that Alex Smith had. But what I am down on is that, you know, that interception. You got to be smarter. You got to play mistake-free football. That's kind of where you win. You got to win the game in the turnover margin. Luckily for us, we were able to win the tur- the, uh, the turnover margin this game. Antonio Gibson ran the ball 20 times for 115 yards, three scores. He averaged 5.8 per carry. That's phenomenal. That's awesome. Peyton Barber, man, you got to give this man his props. He came in with, you know, 11 carries of his own for 57 yards. He was 5.2 per carry. So that was excellent. J.D. McKissick was a non-factor in the Russian game. Now, for those of us who play fantasy football, a lot of us started J.D. McKissick thinking that we were going to get some, you know, production. I was expecting maybe, you know, at least eight to nine carries for J.D. McKissick, but Peyton Barber came in, ran effectively, and took those carries away from J.D. McKissick. So, but the good thing is that J.D. McKissick still tried to show up in the passing game. He was targeted two times, and he caught two passes for 21 yards. That's not enough from a fantasy aspect, but in terms of trying to win this game, he did what he was supposed to do. He caught his targets, and, I mean, you know, 10 yards per catch is not bad at all. Um other guys who pitched in, Antonio Gibson had five receptions for 21 yards. That's kind of what we have been wanting to see. I'd rather Antonio Gibson get five receptions than J.D. McKissick getting five receptions. I mean, it does something for Antonio Gibson's confidence. It does something for Antonio Gibson as being a potential three-down back. Uh, I think once he cleans up his pass protection, he's definitely going to be a three-down back. Um, I was kind of down on Antonio Gibson at times, you know, But the guy, man, the guy was magnificent, man. We're going to get back to Antonio Gibson in a minute because this episode is the Antonio Gibson episode. But, yeah, we're going to get back to Antonio Gibson. Um, We look at what other guys did. Logan Thomas, four receptions, 20 yards. Dontrell Inman with one uh, reception for 15 yards. Steven Sims, one reception for eight yards. Terry McLaurin had seven receptions on nine targets for 92 yards. So everybody in the NFL knows where the ball is going. People try to clown the Washington football team's 
uh, receivers. Yes, our receivers are terrible outside of Terry McLaurin. The connection from quarterback to those other receivers has just not been there. You had a game where Cam Sims shows up or Isaiah Wright does a little something and this guy does something. Dontrell Inman has like two touchdown game, but there has not been a consistent wide receiver too. And I think that's a need that we need to address in the offseason. I don't care what anybody has to say. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. When you have a solid number two wide receiver, you're going to see more production from, from Terry. He might not have this same amount of targets or the same amount of receptions and yards, but at the same time, it's going to open up the offense. You get you a wide receiver, too, and you get you a, a tight end. Logan Thomas is a keeper. I'm not going to lie. Logan Thomas has been better than what I thought he was going to be. Um, he's been solid. He's a nice tight end number two. Um, I love what he brings to the table, and I hope that he stays on this team for a very long time. I like Logan Thomas, but we need a more dynamic uh, um, tight end. Now, uh, let's get on to the defense. Uh, uh, Deron Payne, hey, he forced a fumble. That's what we love. Jonathan Allen recovered a fumble. We love that, too. Um Mont- hey, Montez Sweat, we talked about him earlier. He had one interception. Um, Ronald Darby didn't have his best game, but he did defend two passes. You know, he defended two passes. Um, so you got to give him that. But getting beat on that pass, that was pretty, pretty bad. And this comes off of a week where he just had his best game versus the Cincinnati Bengals. And we were drooling and saying, wow, Ronald Darby might be the best corner on the team this year. He's playing phenomenal and oh he should get extended he should get paid he should get paid but let's see what happens in the offseason the offseason is going to be different does Ronald Darby deserve Kendall Fuller type money I don't know I will let the money stuff work out on work out for itself all I know is that Ronald Darby is a guy that I hope we keep maybe a two or three year deal solid um Cole Holcomb led the team in tackles um, he also had a half a sack. He had one tackle for loss, so that was good. Uh, Cam Carl, phenomenal game. I mean, he's been one of the top leaders when it comes to tackles. This guy's a tackling machine. He continues to make plays left and right, and he had a phenomenal game. I mean, he was like, I mean, some of the tackles that he was making was just blowing my mind, man. Cameron Carl is a is he's a gem. He's a gem. He's a guy that I feel confident in starting next year. Honestly. If you can find a way to kind of get him and Landon Collins on the field together, that'll be awesome. Is there potential where Landon Collins gets traded? I won't be mad if that happens because Cameron Carl has just been amazing. Um, and then, you know, Landon Collins hasn't played well this season, even prior to the injury. He has not played well. So we'll see what happens there. But anyways, uh, John Bostic had a decent game, made some tackles, Jimmy Moreland, um, you know, and, and I was kind of scared. I thought that Troy Ackby was going to mess up even more. Um, but, uh, you know, he didn't. He wasn't as bad as he usually is. Uh, he wasn't great either. But uh, I was scared. I was just thinking that, hey, maybe Troy Ackby's the guy that gets beat this week. And that didn't happen. So uh, good job, Troy. Good job, Troy, for not letting this down too much. Uh, Chase Young had a sack. It's good to see him. In the sack column, yeah, two tackles for losses, phenomenal. Tim Settle, another sack, man. Tim Settle, man, give this man his flowers. Tim Settle has to be the best backup defensive tackle in the NFL, man. This guy, 
is just plain unbelievable. There's a lot of chatter. Oh, the team should trade Payne. Oh, the team should, should trade Allen. Look, let's just enjoy all of our players now that we have them. The offseason is going to play itself out. When it's time to pay people, that's going to play itself out. You know, obviously, it's going to be hard to keep all four first-round defensive linemen on the team. That's going to be a lot of money being invested into the first-round pick. So, who knows? Maybe there's a scenario where Matt Aydanis and Tim Settle become starters and then maybe Payne and Allen become expendable. Hey, I'm not saying that it's a great idea. I'm not saying that it's a bad idea. All I'm saying is that it's possible. And it's a good problem to have. It's good to have talent and say, hey, we have talent. Jeremy Reeves had a sack. This sack came on that play where CeeDee Lamb was trying to get on the outside, but because he tackled him behind the line of scrimmage, somehow it counted as a sack. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Jeremy Reeves, I'm glad to see him out there getting some snaps, uh, tackle for loss. Khalid Hudson. Had a tackle for loss. I do not remember it, but the stat sheet says that he had a tackle for loss. Khalid Hudson is somebody that I want to see more on the field, but he hasn't been able to get the snaps, at least on defense. He's been on special teams. Um, Also, De'Aaron Payne, or Deron Payne, however you say his name, he had half a sack. So it's kind of good to see our defensive tackles getting sacks because it's something that doesn't happen too often in the NFL unless you're uh, DeForest Buckner or um, uh, Aaron Donald. You know, those are two of the best defensive tackles. Oh, Chris Jones. Can't forget Chris Jones. But I believe that our collective group between Payne, Allen, Ioannidis, and uh, settle. We have the best quad of defensive tackles. So you got to give them their flowers. Um, safety is definitely a position that we're going to need help. We're going to, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. I try not to look too far ahead right now, um, but it's definitely a position of need. So we need a free safety. I think we're good at, at the strong safety positions. Maybe, you know, you get Landon Collins or uh, Carl to play. Some of that uh, nickel nickel linebacker. Get creative. There's definitely ways to kind of get these guys out on the field. And I believe that Kalik Hudson is going to be a guy that's going to be key for us as we continue this season into next season. He might not get a lot of burn this season, but Kalik Hudson is a guy I believe that is definitely going to get some uh, get some burn, uh, especially next year. So excited about that. So. Um, we're not even going to look at Dallas stats. Forget them. They're bums. They're trash. Uh, we swept Dallas. They're scums. Jerry Jones is a scum. Jerry Jones was talking about his quarterback, uh, the seventh rounder, Ben. Uh, I can't even say his last name, but he was saying that uh, the game that happened between the Broncos, where the Broncos had no quarterbacks and they had a practice squad wide receiver come in and play, he was comparing that practice squad player to a seventh-round quarterback, saying that the seventh-round quarterback was trash or terrible. I'm just paraphrasing. You don't say that about your players. We know that that the guy was a seventh-rounder, so the expectations are not high. So you, you put in a seventh-round quarterback and you're expecting greatness? Yeah, man, I don't like Jerry Jones. But anyways, he's a scum. Um, but let's talk about Bryce Love. Bryce Love is coming, I mean, he had a 21-day window to come back. 
and play on, you know, on the field. Like, let's see, can this guy produce? Is he a guy that we're going to build on in the future? Is he going to be part of this running back room? And after the 21 days, he was unable to get back on the field. So that's two years of Bryce Love not seeing the field. And I said this on Twitter. This is a harsh reality. Look, we are not a rehab home. We are not a rehab center. It seems like we continue to, you know, rehab guys and rehab guys and rehab guys. And then we don't stick with it. Then they end up leaving, going somewhere else and maybe having some success or maybe they just retire or they just out the league. So between Ruben Foster and Bryce Love, there's a chance that neither one of those guys return next season. I, I, I hope they do. I like them both, but at the same time, I'm kind of sick of rehabbing players. You know, if we're going to have players like Ruben Foster, what? It's now two years for him too, right? So two years of no Ruben Foster, two years of no Bryce Love. Do we give it one more year? I mean, we've invested so much time. We've invested so much resources. Maybe the third time was a charm. So we'll see what happens. I'm 50-50, man. I'm almost to the point to where I'm saying, man, let's cut them. Let's, let's just let them go after this season. But then part of me is like, man, we've already invested two years in these two guys. You know, maybe... If they're not ready, they start the year out again on IR. So when they're on IR, they're not um, holding or taking roster spots from other guys. But at the same time, it's like we keep on bringing up their names. We keep on they keep on giving us false hope. And I guess the false hope is what hurts more because we've seen this happen over and over and over where we invest on injured players. And then they just never pan out for us, you know. Hopefully one or both pan out, but I'm not holding my breath. If we have a chance to get a running back in the fourth, maybe fifth round that can help our team, I'm all for it. Hey, it just is what it is. Next year, I'm looking forward to the team winning a lot of games. I'm looking towards the uh, forward to the team being very competitive and, you know, doing anything. But for this season, we are still in contention. And that's crazy. With a 4-7 and seven record, we're second place right now in the NFC East. And it's bananas because the Giants swept us. So the Giants are 4-7, and seven and they're in first place, right? Washington sweeps Dallas. <laughs> we're in second place. We've beaten the Eagles one time, and we've beaten Dallas twice. And we've not beaten the Giants. So it's one more game versus the Eagles that we're going to need to win in order to literally get into the playoffs. Uh I mean, this division is terrible. And this week, everybody plays somebody very, very good. You know, so there's a potential where all four teams lose again. And the Giants end up being four and eight. We end up being four and eight. And uh, I think six wins in this division gets it done. But at the same time, the Philadelphia Eagles cannot have six wins. So we need to have six wins. The Eagles need to have five, which is why that last game between the Eagles and the Washington football team is going to be very, very crucial. Now, the Giants, they have a tough uh, schedule ahead, tough schedule ahead. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but we're going to look at the Giants schedule. I'm going to pull this thing up. So the Giants... They're going to be playing, who do they play, week 13? So week 13, they play Seattle. 
Week 14, they play Arizona. Week 15, they play Cleveland. Week 16, they play Baltimore. And then they finish up the season with Dallas. So, hey, I don't see them being beating Seattle. I don't see them beating Arizona. I don't see them beating Cleveland or the Ravens. But anything is possible. In this weird season with COVID, games that you think you're going to win, sometimes you lose. The games that you think you're going to lose, sometimes you win. So, But either way, sitting at four wins with four of the last five games with tough opponents, so let's say they somehow win two games. They'll be a six. Somehow, I don't. I just don't know how they win two games with their remaining schedule. That's the Giants. Now we're gonna look at the Eagles. All right. So clicked on the Eagles. I'm gonna go to their schedule, and we're gonna kind of see if they. Can. Okay. So the Eagles play the Green Bay Packers. I think that's a loss. They play New Orleans, another loss. They play Arizona, another loss. They play Dallas. It can go either way. Between the Eagles and Dallas, it can go either way. And then in the Washington football team. So the Eagles have an easier schedule. Three of these games between for the Packers, the Saints, and the Cardinals. I think they lose all three of those. They can beat Dallas and they can beat Washington. I'm just being real. They can. The NFC East is trash. There's no, there's no team that has an advantage over the other. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, when you trash, you trash. It just is what it is. So, um, I see the Giants going one and four, and I'm seeing the Eagles potentially going one and four. That's if I'm saying that Washington is going to beat the Eagles. So, I see the Eagles also going one and four as well. Now, let's go and check out. The Cowboys. Let's see who they're playing and see if it makes sense or because um, <laughs> this race is going to come down to the very, very end. I'm telling you, it's, it's going to be crazy. So Dallas plays Baltimore this weekend, then Cincinnati, and they can beat Cincinnati. San Francisco, they can. I mean, it's a winnable game because Washington plays San Francisco as well. Philadelphia and the New York Giants. So, to be honest, to be completely honest, Dallas has the easiest schedule so far. I'm going to get into Washington's schedule, but Dallas has the easiest schedule. Out of all these games, I see maybe one loss, if we're being real. So, Dallas potentially can go 4-1. and one. Dallas can beat the Bengals. Hey, they can beat the San Francisco 49ers. They can beat the Eagles. They can beat the Giants. So anything is possible there. So us as fans, we're definitely going to want them to lose at least two or three of these games. Right? So uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe 49ers show up. Maybe. Maybe the Bengals show up. I mean, the Bengals played the Giants tough. You know, there's no more Daniel Jones. So, I mean, a lot can happen. But right now, I would probably say that the Dallas Cowboys have a shot at going four and one. Hopefully they don't, but it's just the real, it's just the realistic facts, realistic facts. If we're just going through the schedule and just kind of looking at winnable games and games that are not winnable, I'm just going to keep it a hundred percent real, a hundred percent real. So we look at the, um, the last team, which is Washington football team. We're going to look at the last, um, last few games and week 13, we play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow. 
We play the 49ers. We play Seattle. We play Carolina. And we play the Philadelphia Eagles. So, hey, (laughs) I think we might have one of the tougher schedules to finish out the year. But out of these five games, I think, I mean, (laughs) if we beat the the Pittsburgh Steelers, then, hey, man, I'm all for it. I actually think that we can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I'm not going to hold my breath. The reason why I say that we can beat them is that if they win versus the Ravens, right, they'll be, what, 11-0 and or whatever their record is, and eventually you have to lose. I'm not saying that we beat them, but what I am saying is what if they lose? What if that's the let-up game? What if that's the game that they take a break and then they lose? I mean, us as fans, we're wishing, we're hoping anything is possible. I mean, COVID, you know, I don't wish COVID on anybody, but we've seen crazier things happen with availability of players, right? So I see us losing to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Seattle Seahawks. Those are the two toughest opponents out of these five. San Francisco is winnable, but we can still lose that game. Carolina's winnable, and we can still lose that game. And if Christian McCaffrey's playing, it just makes Carolina even a tougher team. But our defense has been stepping up. Um, You know, then we play the Eagles in Week 17. It might come down to that game. That might be the game, like, winner gets in type thing. So it's kind of cool how the NFL has these division games in Week 17. It kind of like, you know, hey, if you need that win, you got to play it. You got to play these games. So. I'm loving that aspect of it. But, man, this stretch is going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, We're going to get after Big Ben. We're definitely going to get after Big Ben, and we're going to rattle him. Um, If we can rattle him, if we can keep the game close, maybe maybe we get lucky and get a Hopkins game-winning field goal. I don't know. When you play San Francisco, they got Nick Mullins, and then they've had all kinds of injuries and COVID and this and that. That's a that's going to be a game. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game. I'm not going to lie, but we can definitely get after Nick Mullins. Russell Wilson. Whew, man. That's going to be a tough one. But we are going to get after Russell Wilson. I mean, he's still a quarterback that gets sacked. And Russell Wilson has not been playing as great as he's been playing all year. And this is a game where... Their, Seattle's defense is pretty bad. So I think Washington can move the ball on this defense all day long. And I don't see Haskins coming back this season because we're just so close to contention and Alex Smith is playing well. I would have loved to see Haskins finish out the year, and especially the last three to four games, to kind of see what we have in him. But I also see a scenario where Haskins comes back. I see a scenario where the Washington football team do not draft a quarterback this year. So a lot can happen between now and the draft, but this is just what I'm seeing. It's looking like Alex Smith is going to be coming back next year. But um, Carolina game, you know, Ron Rivera, you know, um, playing his old team, all the storylines. It's going to be in FedEx, but, I mean, that's going to be an interesting game. And then the Eagles at Lincoln Financial Field. Um that's going to be the game of all games. But if we're out of the contention or if we're out of the NFC East contention, then maybe you see Haskins that game. But if we are still playing for the NFC East championship, then you'll see Alex Smith that game. So, um, hey, buckle up, guys. These last five weeks, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. 
And it's kind of good to see us being competitive. I know a lot of us are looking at the draft standings and people are saying, if we don't draft the quarterback, I'm going to be mad. If we do this, we do that. Hey, when that time comes, that time comes. I know last year we were in the Chase Young Bowl, the Chase Young Chase. Uh, This year, we're looking for a franchise quarterback. But at the same time, we still need a linebacker. We still need another corner. We need a safety. We need uh, a left tackle. We don't know what's going on with left tackle. Thank God for Morgan Moses, man, doing his thing. He's playing ball right now, and uh, he's he's just holding it down at that at that at that left side. You know, Rain and Sheriff. Are you going to pay him big? You know, big top dollars. You know, what happens at right tackle? Is Sadiq Charles going to be a right tackle, left tackle? I mean, like, like what's going on? I mean, so there's a lot of questions to be answered in this offseason. Are we going to get a splash name? Are we going to get a, a splash name wide receiver? I mean, a guy that I'm pulling for is uh, Allen Robinson. I love what he brings to the table. A lot of people sleep on Allen Robinson because... They've never watched him or they don't focus on games that happen in Jacksonville or the Chicago Bears. But this guy continues to produce with trash quarterbacks. And then, you know, you're you're probably thinking like, well, Washington doesn't have a a quarterback. But hey, guess what? Washington has money. We're going to have a lot of money to throw around to people. It's all about bringing the right free agents. I don't mind paying Allen Robinson 60 million for three years, you know, shorter term deal. You know, most guys want a five-year deal, but I'm, hey, I don't mind doing two, two or three-year deals. So we'll see what happens because we can offer him a lot of money. We can make him a twenty, uh, a million a year type receiver, and I think that he's worth that. But the problem is, you if you do longer-term deals, it kind of, you know, handcuffs you because you got guys that you need to pay. Jonathan Allen coming up. You have. Um, you know, Payne and some of these guys on the line, they're going to be coming up. Terry's going to be coming up in a few years. So, I mean, you got guys to pay and you just got to make sure that you're smart with your money. We need a tight end. What happens? Do we draft a guy like, OK, let's say that we're drafted in the top 15 and maybe the top quarterbacks are gone or a quarterback that, that the team likes is gone. Do you take a guy like Kyle Pitts from Florida? You know, so many questions, man. And it's and it's so hard not, not to think about the offseason because, I mean, to be realistic, that's what we do. That is what Washington football team uh, fans thrive on. We have fun in the offseason. And then we have misery in the regular season. So, to be honest, man, I'm looking forward to the offseason. I know there's a chance that we make the playoffs this year, but, I mean, it's been an up and down year. It's been a mad type year. It's just been crazy. 2020 has been crazy. I'm grateful for football, but at the same time, it's like, man, I'm just ready to build this team. Yeah, I'm just ready to build this team and start competing for real, for real. But in the meantime, we got five more games to go. Let's see what happens with these five games. A lot of guys that are on one-year deals might be there last year with the team. A lot of guys that are on IR could be there last year with the team. Um, I think that Scott Turner's job is safe. I've been tough on him, but, hey, he's been calling a heck of a game recently, so I can't be mad at him. Um, So plenty, plenty storylines. Ron Rivera has done a good job. Kyle Smith has done a good job. Um, You know, Jason Wright doing a phenomenal job. They're they're saying that the team could possibly keep the name the, the football team. I don't like that. Just pick a name. At this point, I don't care what you pick. Just keep our colors. 
And um, we'll see what the future holds. Um, we don't know what the future holds right now. All we know is that we got five games. We got to finish strong. Uh, we got to try to make the playoffs. And if not, then we start focusing on the draft. And that's just my mindset right now. Win as many games as possible right now. And then you focus on the draft. Um, shout out to Antonio Gibson, man. This guy has have super exceeded my expectations. Um, he has 11 rushing touchdowns right now. He's tied. He's tied for number three in the league in rushing touchdowns. Um, he's over 600 yards rushing. He needs to average 71 rushing yards a game the rest of the way to be a thousand yard back. I would love for Antonio Gibson to be a thousand yard back this season. Even if we don't win a lot of games, at least the development. He's going to be the, the the running back of the future. I'm now confident enough to say that. At first, I, I, you know, I was skeptical because he played more wide receiver in Memphis. And um, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. The sad part is that I didn't even know who Antonio Gibson was prior to the draft. Had I known, I would have gone to a few games at Memphis University and, you know, caught this magnificent talent that we have gotten. You know, last couple years, man, third round, uh, Terry McLaurin, superstar. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. And then Antonio Gibson, another superstar in the making. I mean, we are just hitting it out the park with the draft. We're drafting gems in the third round. It seems like the third round is our round. And I've come to the realization that I cannot doubt what the what the guys that are drafting the team are doing. They're just doing a phenomenal job. I just enjoy the picks. I mean, Cameron Carl, another nice pick. You know what I'm saying? We just continue to get pick after pick after pick that's solid. You know, we need a lot of things next year, and I'm excited to get more draft capital. Like, I just believe so much in the draft. We should use the free agency to complement the draft. I wish that we draft first and then free agent after the draft, but that's not how it is. It's free agent first. So I guess, you you know, we're going to go after some free agents to fill some needs, and then whatever needs that we can't feel, we're going to draft. So I'm excited. I said, I love the offseason. I love the offseason. I love where the team is going. So uh, I'm excited for that. But, yeah, shout out to Antonio Gibson, man. Guy's phenomenal. Um, Hopefully he gets that 1,000 yards. And it's crazy that he's gotten 11 touchdowns already. And then then there's still five games left. My thing is, five games left, I'm going to count him for five touchdowns. Excuse me. I'm going to count him for five touchdowns with five games left. So that's an average of one touchdown per game. That would have Antonio Gibson at 16 touchdowns. Man, how, that, look, I think 16 touchdowns get Antonio Gibson to rookie of the year. 16 touchdowns, 1,000 yards rushing, and then maybe two to 300 yards receiving, even without a receiving score. I think, that, I think that's a rookie of the year type numbers right there. And then making the playoffs, that's just an extra bonus. Now, Terry McLaurin has been phenomenal all year. Uh, he's still top five in receiving yards. Uh, this guy is going to end up with 13, 1,400 yards receiving, over 100 receptions. And prayerfully, I hope he can get to seven touchdowns. We have to find a way to get Terry some touchdowns. We throw the ball to get to the end zone, I mean, to get to the red zone. And then once we get to the red zone, we run the ball. So that's been a, that's been a trend. That's been a trend that's been happening. But, man, I would love to see Terry – you know, get a, 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 you know, some plays ran for him in, in that red zone. I mean, he's that good. I mean, we got to try it. We just have to try it. I understand that sometimes he's doubled and triple teamed because he's that good and teams know where the ball is going and they still cannot stop him. I mean, it's crazy that 
he is top five in yards with, you know, terrible quarterback play. You know, with quarterback play that has not been good. Like, teams know where the ball is going, and they still can't stop this guy. Whether he's double team, triple team, Terry McLaurin is showing that he can run any kind of route. He can play all three positions at the wide receiver spot, and, I mean, he's phenomenal. He moves around. Even that play that Logan Thomas threw through through to uh through to Terry McLaurin and he just caught it, you know, two feet in bounds, then stepped out, you know, stepped out of bounds. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. The guy's a superstar. And I think part of the reason why the fans are craving for a franchise quarterback is because they know how special Terry McLaurin can be with a quarterback that's ultra talented, ultra smart. Big arm because we would love to throw the ball deep to Terry McLaurin, but Alex Smith, he doesn't have that. Dwayne Haskins has that, but he hasn't been accurate. So we don't even know if we're going to see Dwayne Haskins again this season. But, guys, uh, we play Pittsburgh next week. There's going to be an episode that's going to break down the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I'll be uh, talking to a guy from the back row, Pittsburgh show. Um, He knows everything Pittsburgh. Uh, Robert. Uh, he is phenomenal. So that's going to be the next episode. Um, you guys going to get our conversation. We're going to talk in depth about the defensive line, the offensive line, quarterbacks, running backs, all positions, and the breakdown. And we're going to kind of do a projection of how far the Washington football team is from a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the reason why we're going to do this projection is because the football team is built a lot like the Steelers especially defensively, but we got to tighten up some positions like corner and safety to be in a potential elite defense like these guys, because out of like the, out of like the, all of the linemen, all the, all of the defensive linemen in the league, the Washington football team and the Steelers have um, the most graded defensive line in the top 20. So I think we have like four each. I'm not sure, but we have some of the best defensive line in the entire NFL. So, guys, this is the episode. Appreciate you guys tuning in, man. I appreciate the love. As always, be sure to follow me on Twitter at Back Row Redskins. Be sure to uh, subscribe, like, five-star review on Apple. Uh, be sure to share this podcast with as many people as you can. And, guys, stay tuned for this next episode. Um, it's going to be fun. You guys be blessed and I'm out.